was telling stories that compelled them to think about what we had to offer and why it was important. So when you leverage storytelling in these, in these type of scenarios, whether you're selling enterprise software or you're selling consulting, you connect to them on a human-to-human -human level. You are here, you're having a product. You want to sell a product, whether you want to connect to a tech, whatever it is about. Using compassionate storytelling is one of the best that works for me. And aside of compassionate storytelling, the next one is what is called historic storytelling. The bridge that we have there in Atlanta, in London, could not be built without those simple rudimentary mathematics that we could understand before. So that what we are doing really is not like we are inventing everything new. We are only building upon the knowledge. Okay, let me use the right word for it. Upon the story that we have had before. author of the storytelling series for small businesses and content creators. In Obehi podcast, we talk about the power of your story, your narrative, and why you should own your voice. Whether you are a small business owner, a content entrepreneur, or you simply want to build your influence, storytelling is probably going to be your best instrument to connect with your audience. So join the awakened few who are owning their voices. Now let's get started with today's episode. I think we have started now. I want to thank uh, my co-host um, Tanya Kabuya and Izu Samuel for joining me today. And of course, they are going to do their introduction. I just mentioned their name uh, as a rule here. <laughs> also in my podcast, the Obey podcast, I don't like to introduce people. I let the people introduce themselves because I think they do a better job like that. Um, yeah, let me give a little background for those of you who might not know uh, where the this storytelling series is coming from, and that, of course that would mean telling the story. <laughs> uh, I live in a place called Verona, it's in the northern part of Italy, but originally I am from Nigeria. So I got to this place uh, in the August of 2004, and because I've always been very curious, I sort of... Uh, uh, said to myself, I want to know the story of the people that look like me in this city, which are the African people, uh, the Afri people of African descent uh, in, in Verona and by extension in Northern Italy. Because the research then uh, will take me to different important cities in my region, uh, which are Verona, Padova, uh, Vicenza. Uh, what I did uh, throughout the, the period was to collect uh, data from these people try to understand their experiences, uh, why did they come here, what has been their experience with the local people. If you are an immigrant or if you have somebody in your family that is an immigrant, you will understand the peculiarity of our story. Sometimes it can be very complex. Uh, when you are in Africa, you don't understand certain things about being an immigrant in Europe. For example, when I was there, I never understood, I never even 
uh, phantom the idea that somebody will one day ask me, where is your paper to, to be here? Because all my life, I have always been a citizen in my country. I never thought I will, I, I never need a passport because this is my home. Uh, everybody uh, know that I don't need that. But when I left uh, Nigeria, I come here, it become a reality for me that all the time uh, I have to put an uh, ID card inside my pocket. When I got it, because I stayed for a couple of years, I didn't have paper. So I was illegal in this country. But just to cut that long story short, it is something sometimes really complicated uh, when you find yourself in another man's land. You are learning your language for the first time. <laughs> you look like a baby, you know. Because naturally, uh, when you were born, that is when you learn the, the language. But now you are an adult, you are beginning to learn the language and making all sorts of mistakes, people laughing at you. And, and you have to be strong because you nobody, sometimes, like in my case, nobody invited me. I came on my own. So I have to accept all the challenges that came my way, learn the language, and able to communicate in it, write in it, and all sort of things like that. So those are some of the complexity of uh, being an immigrant uh, in another man's land. And those are some of the stories I was also collecting from other people uh, moving around in the three different cities um, uh, in Italy. And what I learned from it um, is that uh, story really is powerful because I could see from the people that I was talking to, this I will understand later, uh, when I created product from the story because I created documentary from it and I was screened here, but I also write two books. So I remember one time I went to give the, one of the books to the person that I interviewed his picture was in the front cover and then he looked at the book the guy was so satisfied he was so happy and because he was happy and satisfied i was also happy and satisfied uh see that somebody was um was see the value in the work that i've uh, put in place that helped me to understand the importance of uh, storytelling that our story need to be told it's not that there are no stories told every places but the point was that this particular story, the story of Africans in Verona, have not been told from our point of view. Uh, because, you know, there are a lot of people that are working with uh, immigrants here, but there are limitations to where they can go. I'm talking of the Italian, for example, who maybe want to understand the, 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 the different dimension, the layers of the experiences of uh, Africans in the city. They cannot go to some places. That is, that is a fact, because culture is very complex. Uh, so me now being an immigrant, being one of them, I could enter anywhere, go into places uh, with these people to understand what is actually going on in their life. And it is rich because that story has never been told before. And I see that it is important. So that is why uh, last year I decided to put my experience together to make it available for other people to also learn from. And why not provoke them to take similar steps? Because just like Verona, there are many other cities and many other places and many other situations where our stories need to be told and need to be told by us. We need to own our voice and use it for our own benefit. So that is actually the essence of it. And of course, I put it within the framework of business because irrespective of the business you are into, if you are indeed dealing with human being, you need story. Because it is a powerful element in our engagement, in our communication, in our rapport with, uh, with other people. If we put story in between us, then we'll easily find a common ground to operate. So that is, uh, that is how powerful storytelling is. And today, of course, we are going to be looking at how to use compelling stories 
uh, to see high value deals in tech uh, consulting. Of course, it doesn't mean that if you are not in tech consulting, you are not going to find value here. And we just decide to put it that way. But whichever business you are in, what you are going to learn here, you are also going to use it in other area. So right now, I am going to thank uh, my co-host again for the time, uh, uh, for their dedication, uh, for their consistency, for being here with me all the time. I appreciate it. I'm not taking that for granted at all. All right, I'll start with Tanya. Tanya, please tell people who you are. Hello, everybody. Thank you guys for making the time to spend with us this Friday. I'm really ecstatic to hold this room and have you guys here. For those that don't know me, I am Tanya. I run a consultancy and agency for tech companies and tech-enabled firms. We work with them to create marketing strategies and business strategies that take up market share and where they grow their brand recognition. So in one of the things I would love to use for this type of strategies, especially for launches and to create um, demand for our clients' products, we leverage a lot of storytelling to create demand in the market and also capture market share. So I'm really ecstatic about this because this is something that not only do we do for clients, but that are unashamedly leveraged consistently in our own marketing for with digital. On this note, I'll yield the, back, the mic back to you, Ray. Thank you so much for that, uh, Tanya. Izu Samia. All right, it's your turn, Izu. Tell the people who you are. All right, thank you so much, my friends. And it feels really good to be here with see you people this evening, wherever you're joining in from. I am Izu Samuel. And I, for some reason, I'm so excited about today's topic. Um, for those of you who you've not met me before, I help people to get on the TED stage. I'm a six-time TEDx curator, and um, I help professionals to craft a, a story out of their experiences. I help both personal and corporate brands to achieve this. I've done that for already 120-plus people and institutions. But right here today, we're going to be having very fantastic conversations, value-driven conversations, and we're happy to have you in the conversation today. Don't mind where I am. Where I am is kind of noisy, but bear with me. Just focus on the value I have to offer, and, and, and I'll yield the mic back to you, Mr. Obehi. And thank you, my friend. All right. Thank you so much, Izu. Uh, in fact, as you were just talking, I thought of what I, what I was having in my mind before, which is that maybe uh, in one of our series, we should actually talk about uh, how tech, how TED Talk use story uh, to leverage the brand. I, I did wrote an article on that, but it would be a good idea that we host um, an episode on that to really uh, sort of tell people how they can leverage that since you are an expert in that area. I think that will also be very useful uh, for Tanya. So we are going to talk about that at the end of uh, this session. All right. Now, the topic we have today, like I was saying before, is how to use storytelling uh, to uh, see high value D in tech and consulting. Um, now, my question will go to, you have to be ladies and gentlemen, as always, it goes to uh, Tanya. How do storytelling help us to create a human connection when dealing uh, with client or in business connection? How does storytelling help us to do this? What do you have to say about that, Tanya? All right. Um, I guess I have to jump into the fire first, right? <laughs> so um, 
<laughs> the, the reality is stories connect with us at a deeper level. And especially when you're working for in the tech and consulting space and when we're talking high value deals, we are talking about deals that are usually $30,000 above. And unless you're selling below the line, then that's fine. You don't really, you don't always have to use storytelling, but in a way you still do because you have to speak to a head of a department. But when you are selling above the line, and I'm talking about the C-suite, storytelling is that secret weapon that you have to connect with the different stakeholders that need to make a decision. You need to remember that and somebody's a CEO, and I know that a lot of people here probably own their own businesses uh, or are probably selling you know, on, on enterprise sales. You, may, you, you, you do a lot of enterprise sales. A lot of people that need to make the decisions, if you are selling above the line, are not the people that use the product. They will make the decisions and other people will use the product. So whether you are selling training programs, whether you are selling a licensing deal of sort, or whether you are selling a software, the CEO, if you are selling a CRM or you are selling uh, something that will help the sales team, I guarantee you the CEO will not be in that software. It's not there. It's only there to cast the vision and ensure the business is going towards its goal. So when you leverage storytelling, you will connect with him from human to human because most of these people ignore cold DMs. They ignore cold DMs. I don't know anybody here tried to email a couple of CEOs, let me know how did that go. Most of the time, the conversions are not that good. Don't worry, you're not alone. I've tried it myself. I got a t-shirt. It did not work for me. However, what has worked for me was telling stories that compelled them to think about what we had to offer and why it was important. So when you leverage storytelling in these, in these type of scenarios, whether you're selling enterprise software or you're selling consulting, you connect to them on a human-to-human -human level and you tell them that you understand what they are going through and what their journey is and you have an inkling of the vision that they are trying to achieve. And when you use stories to get that message across, they no longer see you just as a vendor that is just trying to get a share of their, of their wallet. They see you as a strategic partner because now you connected to their emotions, you've gotten the, the logic to kick in and be like, okay, now this makes sense. I should really think about this in this manner. And now they are able to identify that if I use this program, I use this coaching program for my team, they will achieve ABCD and I can imagine what that could look like for my company. So that's why storytelling in this event is very important. All right. Thank you so much for that, Tania. Uh, for Izu, uh, I'm trying to understand, for somebody that is listening now, uh, the person might be scratching his head, say, hmm, eh, but what kind of story should I actually use uh, to be able to uh, um, have success in silly a high-ticket uh, or a high-value in tech and consulting? What would you recommend? Yeah, so I would recommend what is called a compassionate story. A compassionate story is one that um, engages the values of a product and the values of an experience. 
So when you want to consult or speak with an organization, depending on what the organization is about, when you use the compassionate storytelling concept, it makes marketing and it makes connection very efficient in most cases. And it has been proven by communications experts that compassionate storytelling style is one that converts as fast as possible. So if you are here, you're having a product, you want to sell a product, whether you want to connect with tech, whatever it, it is about, using compassionate storytelling is one of the best that works for me. And aside of compassionate storytelling, the next one is what is called historic storytelling. And that is data-driven, data-driven. You need to be able to tell a story, share a story that is data-driven. So those two are the most strategic story styles you can use to sell for an effective and value-driven conversion. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thank you for that. And of course, that led me to uh, another curiosity. If that is a story that you recommend that we should use, um, of course, I'm still with you, Izu. Are there some story that we should avoid? Perhaps maybe some people have a lot of story uh, in their um, in their timeline that they want to tell. Yeah, maybe this is uh, uh, for uh, tech, but it can also be for other businesses. Like I just said, not everybody is in tech. Uh, there are some. Uh, uh, I think there are some story that might work uh, all across uh, businesses. Or anyway, of course, you are the one that will decide that. But what I'm interested in. Are there some story that people should avoid using when they are in business communication and a good example or in tech and in consulting? Yeah, I would advise that people should stay away from um, emotional stories. Like emotional stories are not the best to use in businesses. And by emotional stories, I'm talking about the kind of a story that when you're sharing such story, you are welling before your investors, you're crying before the people who came to buy the product. So what you need to understand is that people buying from you are not therapists. So if you need a therapist, you can go back, search a therapist and heal. So when you want to sell a product, when you might want to market anything at all, be it a tech, whatever it is you're marketing, I advise that you pay less attention to using emotional stories emotional stories when presented in a way that lacks context might distract your buyers might irritate your buyers so in order to avert such experiences i always advise that professionals to pay more attention to using um using um the other ones i suggested you know which is the historical and compassionate storytelling as opposed to using emotional stories that can be baseless and lacks contests in the right sense of it back to you mr obehi thanks for that uh, Izu. Uh, okay tanya i have a uh, a curiosity i'm i'm begging you to help me uh satisfy um i don't know on a personal note if you have ever told a story within uh, the business environment and it didn't work have you ever happened to you so that other people can learn from it or have everything always worked for you? I'm looking for your personal experience. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot say that I have used stories that do not work <laughs> um, for me. But I will say this. When selling to corporate corporations or tech startups, I do not leverage stories that are more of 
inspirational. Those type of stories are not the, the types that I would leverage. Like, wait, it's more about you feeling inspired by my personality or the type of stories that I'm trying to make you feel sorry for me. Those type of stories do not work in the context of selling tech, enterprise tech, particularly, or consulting contracts, which should be your training, your coaching, or your courses to corporations. Those do not work in the in this context. However, if you, you the type of story that I've personally used in this context has been obviously our origin story. Why did we start a business? We, are, we use storytelling as forms of case studies, but also one of the best stories that um, I've used that I believe all businesses should incorporate is why I'm not for you. Those type of stories actually help you qualify leads prior to them even getting in touch with you because they, I believe there was a report by Gardner um, a few weeks back where they mentioned that now in B2B, at least over 70% of the sale is made prior to them getting in touch with you. So what they are trying to do, they, most of them are doing is going online, researching you, getting on your website, researching you and stuff out of sort. I know myself when I'm making purchases, that's what I'm doing. If I'm, I'm trying to buy a training program, I'm trying to find your website. I'm trying to find as much, as much as I can get my hands on to make an informed buying decision and that is without me ever speaking to you. So you probably came up on my social media feed. I followed you for a while. I like what you say. And this is actually what a lot of the people are doing if you are selling and now they start doing their research. So in order for you to qualify the leads, in order for them to feel like, okay, this is for me, this is not for me, you need to start incorporating stories of why I'm not for you. And this not only just eliminates speaking to tire kickers, it also helps you establish credibility because instead of saying I'm perfect for everybody, you are saying, hey, I only work with this type of people. So your prospects are like, okay, this is an authority because they're very clear on who they are for and they are not budging day. And it helps establish the fact that you are customer centric. So even if the company um, wasn't too um, into what you're doing, because I've had a deal of the sort where the, they were like, okay, I've looked at what you, you the CEO was like, okay, I've looked at what you do. Um, we are not really in tech like that but we are a tech consulting firm for government and you probably market to this type, of, um, this type of people, tech companies and tech-enabled firms. But yeah, I think that you could still work for us. And that was because I was clear. Listen, if you come to me and you are not here and day, I'm not for you. If you come for, to me and I, I call it online, um, hope and dreams, you have open dreams kind of budget for your marketing. I don't perform magic tricks. I'm not Harry Potter. So putting those type of stories out there helped me establish credibility and attract people to a business that were like, hey, we vibe with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I, I like when you were frank there that, uh, okay, you're not Harry Potter. You don't do magic. 
<laughs> that, that is really important. Uh, which, of course, it will uh, tell that, uh, speak to the person who is telling business story that uh, there is a difference between a business story and the cock and bull type of story. Uh, in that when you are telling a business story, the objective needs to be clear. You need to be precise on what you want. Also, because people don't have enough time to stay there and start doing story, 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 once upon a time, time, time. No, time is going. People don't have that time, time. It's, it's, you need to know exactly what you are doing and you need to be striking at the right tone. All right. Uh, for Izu, uh, because we are very good also in communication, apart from just storytelling, and because, of course, both of them can also work together, uh, are there some elements that need to be in a business story to make it effective when you go to deliver? Yeah, um, one of the factors that you need in order to make a story very compelling when you're delivering a story is that you must understand that the first thing that drives a story I have always said it here, and I'm going to say it again. I will not get tired of saying it because repetition begets understanding. It is called resolution. And resolution is different from the lessons learned and the experiences communicated in the story. Resolution has to do with the command of the story. The command of the story, it has to do with that part of the story that would always be remembered by the people who listen to the story. So between the storyteller and the story listener. So it takes the resolution for us to create a resounding information about the story that can resonate with the story listener, let's say the uh, investors and all of those. So this is why every story must have the resolution aspect. And the resolution aspect, most businesses call it the USP, unique selling proposition. And the unique selling proposition of every given story is the resolution. That is the aspect of the story that people want to connect to very easily. People want to remember. That is an aspect of the story that would always sell the entirety of the story. Because what makes a story is not just about the details. What makes the story is about the resolution that drives the details. So the second thing that you have to also pay attention if you're ever going to share a very fantastic story is that you must understand the use of words, the appropriate use of words. And that brings us to transitioning power and authority. In storytelling and in communications, transitioning in your use of language and communication and, and, and word is essential to the impact you want to make with the word you're saying to the people who are listening to you. So by the transitioning, I mean you need to understand the components of common English structure. And with those components of common English structure, it becomes really possible and very easy for you to understand how that thing really works and how it goes. So um, with that given information, it becomes, becomes really easy for the effective use and communication of your story to become very connectable with the, between the listeners and the teller. Yeah, so thank you very much, Mr. Obehi. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in between people that makes a lot of noise. I don't know if uh, uh, Tanya wants to add to that because uh, I, I, want, I wanted to ask Izu about that, but I, I see that the people have uh, grabbed him, but it's where, it's where. They are grabbing him in joy. <laughs> um, because he, he did say you need to uh, know the rules of uh, the English. That is what I really want to highlight. Uh, but what if you were communicating in another language? Uh, how would that play in, in that 
the, you need to have a command of the language that you are using to tell your story. I don't know how much this can be very relevant to in the business Sorry. world. Yeah. This is like you want to yeah. say something there. Um, for every son, there is a language, and for every language, there is a message. And for every message, there is an impact. This is something that you have to, that is taught in the storytelling school. So it's not totally English. English is different from language. And language is different from the message. And the message is different from the cultural permeation of how people receive the content. So with those variations, with those variations, it is really difficult for you to tell a sound story if you lack the foundational knowledge about most of these factors that makes for an effective use of English in storytelling. I will not lie to you, beyond the stories that you want to share, beyond, be, beyond the stories you want to share, it is important that you also understand how to communicate in the language of your listeners. Because the, the story you want to share with the people is not for yourself alone. Let's take, for example, as an investigative journalist that works with the Al Jazeera, when I'm like, um, relatively, I'm in a place like um, just a, sort of an assignment. So when we get to some certain places, for people to listen to your story and for you to connect to the stories of other people, you have to do two things. One, you need to understudy their language. I have learned over 17 languages. So when you understudy their languages, you now understand their needs. I realize that when you understand the language of a people, you can connect easily to their pain points. And understanding their pain points would help you to know the what nature of story that they can tell and what nature of story you can also share that will motivate them to be able to share with you. Because it takes a story for many other stories to be heard. So these variations are really deep. You need to understand their language first. And the second thing you need to do is that you need to understand their culture. And understanding both the culture and the language has a lot to do with English, English. And these things are very deep. You can't, you can't learn most of these things within one hour session. So, so Mr. Behi would host, uh, he's probably going to host a special class on storytelling. And I promise to be there for two hours to break most of these things down. Over to you, Mr. Obehi. This place is too noisy. I'm not even sure I'm making any sense, but I'm sure I'm making some sense because within my mind, I'm so excited that I'm, I'm saying something great here. Sorry, my friends. Sorry, my friend. It's okay. I'm on, a, I'm on an assignment here, so I'm sorry. Sorry, it's, sorry. It's okay. No problem. Right. No, no problem. You are doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, you're a journalist. Uh, yeah, we, we understand. We understand that. that That is important. In fact, that is uh, also part of the conversation. So I, I'm going to, I'm not going to let uh, Tanya go on that hook. Uh, I'm still coming to you there. Because even though um, uh, Israel have eloquently explained that, I think I still need your, um, your take on it. Uh, yesterday, for example, I was interviewed by by another person. Yes, sometimes people also interview me. <laughs> uh, so I was talking about storytelling. Then I was talking about the audience, the importance of um, uh, of not just talking, but talking to a specific audience. That when you come to talk, even though uh, because I think the, the, she asked me a question of what story they should talk. Uh, what they should talk about, where they uh, go within the area of business. So that is where I actually got into that, uh, that when you are talking, it is important that you know the audience specifically who you are talking to. Of course, that is uh, perfectly in line with what Izu was saying just now. Uh, because if you speak to the wrong audience, even though you are speaking the right thing, you are going to get the wrong result because you are not in line. 
So I don't know if Tanya have anything to say about that, the importance of really localizing the experience to the audience you are speaking to in business environment. Tanya, can you share anything with us? It can even be maybe your experience in South Africa because, okay, I understand it can, this can be universal, but something can also be local. And what I'm trying to say is that you might have one story, but you tell it to a different audience and tell it differently. It's the same story, exactly the same story, but you're going to tell it differently depending on the audience you have in front of you. What do you have to say about that, Tanya? All right, I love this question because I'm not even going to use a local uh, story in South Africa. So, with Digital is divided into two divisions. One division is an academy, a coaching academy, where we primarily work with tech-enabled companies, which are your cybersecurity firm, which are your coaching companies, advisories, to scale sustainably and also help them with growing their revenue. And the agency side, we primarily work with tech startups, which are your fintech, wealth tech, clean tech startups, the, the disruptors of the industry. And the reality is that different stories that I will tell, whether you're on LinkedIn um, or on Facebook, where I primarily have a following of coaches, uh, consultants, service providers that are primarily in the digital space will do will do differently. For example, I'll give an example. The other day, I was speaking about the need for different forms of funding because the VC space they are not enough funding going towards people of of color or of or, or women, for example. On LinkedIn, that story and how I told that did tremendously well. On Facebook it, uh, or Instagram, that it didn't work. Whereas when I told the story of a, uh, a client was primarily working with four coaches here, there were no launching and working with other small businesses. And she was tired, she was burnt out, she wasn't spending enough time with her family. Her husband was tired of, of waking up at two o'clock in the morning to find her uh, hunched over Canva. And when she came to us, she wanted to go towards uh, landing more corporate clients and doing what is known as coach the trainer or train the trainer form of licensing and how that has changed her business and how she has more time. She has a team now and she doesn't work 24 hours in the business and she has more space in her life. That did tremendously well with that audience. Whereas if I said the story in front of a lot of the tech founders, that would not resonate because if you've been around tech founders, they are go, 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 go. And the more disruptive, the more they are busy hunching over the work, the more they feel that they are getting things achieved. So completely different stories. If I use that same story and say, and say it here on LinkedIn, for example, because that was shared on Facebook, that story would not work because the tech startup space would not understand it because they're like, that is just not it. So this is why it's very important to customize your language, like Isu said, because your audience 
will determine the language that you use because people that are starting coaching businesses are often coming from corporate the corporate space. They were burned out. They got into uh, running a business and some of them, especially when they're starting to scale rapidly, they end up getting trapped in the business because of how things are portrayed. They tell you you are your business and then they end up having to do everything. So, and they feel burnt out and close down their businesses because of that, even when they've made multi-millions. So when I share such stories on such platforms where I have a following of coaches, it resonates completely different because, differently because that um, is something that a lot of people are going through privately. So always customizing your language. So your language is not... The, the language that we're speaking in terms of English or French or Italian, but more to do with the language, the inner language, the inner understanding, the emotions attached to what you're saying. Thank you so much for that, Tania. I appreciate that. That is very important. Of course, all storyteller we must understand that. Okay, all storyteller for businesses, uh, because I, I just want to uh, to underline that it is very important that we understand that. Uh, like I said, we are going to organize an, a, a room where we are going to talk about uh, TED. And of course, Izu is going to share a lot uh, with that because TED is absolutely phenomenal in the use of storytelling uh, for building their brand. And a lot of businesses are studying it. So I think uh, it's a good thing that we, we, take, we take on that argument here uh, in that when you listen to TED Talk, especially some of the most refined ones, you could... You could I, I literally glue myself to the screen when I listen to some of them because they are so perfectly made because they are not like going to be speaking for like an hour. It's just for some maybe 15 minutes. But that 15 minutes, they are going to deliver so beautifully where there are masters out there that we can learn from. Absolutely. There are a lot of masters out there. All right. We have two people that are joining us and we really do encourage that. So we mean that uh, you have something to share with us. You are you are motivated to see something. Thank you, uh, Obey, for having me on the call. And it is Alain for those who speak French. And you can just call me Alan. I will take that too. I'm in California here. And I really appreciate I I, I came into the part where Izu was talking about customization in the language and communicating and uh, thinking of English as not just as the common language, but the, I think uh, Tanya beautifully said it, you know, the inner language, right? I think that's what I got. And you had a prior question before that by saying, um, what if you're speaking with an audience that actually doesn't speak English? I actually had a project. I, I'm originally from the Congo, so I do projects with the Congo a lot. I do have a company over there, and um, it's in agri, agribiz, agriculture business. So I take, took on a personal, <laughs> um, sometimes I do that a lot, uh, self, you know, project, just self-inflicted project, and I wanted to fine-tune my communication with my team over there, they don't speak English in the province where I am operating. And uh, the, the the official language is, is French. I do speak French and I also speak uh, two other national languages. So I noticed it, it's sort of a anthropological project, if you if you want to call it. I noticed that they were very short in communicating whenever I asked things in French. 
So I switched it. I said, you know what, that's not going to help, uh, help because they're just telling me what I want to hear so we can just end the story and the communication and then move on. But the results not going to, the results not going to show the same. So I wanted to give them space and I wanted to give them their space where they're free to actually uh, talk where they're comfortable and then their smart can come out instead instead of being intimidated by just hearing oh this this is the american guy that's what they call me um he's um he's saying this or the french guy so i didn't want that so i fine-tuned my uh kikongo which is one of the national languages to use that in the business and that was challenging but i, I kind of got there and i had to now translate my business acumen that I know here, that I use here in my consulting business and my real estate investing business into what they do. And the subject was talking about vision and how to scale up a business. So I had to use the, the language. So this is where Izu said the cultural aspect, right? So I noticed when I was out there, they, the way they speak, it's like um, it's like in parable, like when Jesus was talking. Like they always speak in parable. This was a story or like a, like a, a saying. So I picked up on a few and I made some up. <laughs> you know, it just makes sense. And 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 just to explain what I, I was telling them. So I said, look, here's what I want you to understand about scalability, which is not even a word. I don't even know what it means. How do you say that in Congo? So I had to kind of explain. So I said, basically, where we're going. We start with water in the spoon. When you put water in a spoon, at some point you're gonna run out, but you want more. So you take the spoon from the wa uh, water from the spoon and you start filling up your cup. And when you start filling up your cup and then that fills up, then you put it in a vase. And when you put it in a vase and that fills up, then you can put it in a tank. And once you, the tank full, then we can stop going out there. Uh, in the pool and or a cistern and would we'll, we'll fill that up and then once that's filled up now our eyes are on the river because now you have no more space to put water other than actually go manage what's on the river and they all looked at me and they said oh that makes sense you speak like the uh like the old guys here <laughs> and um I felt great, you know, just know that uh, they actually understood scalability. So I was telling them, no need to rush into the river. Let's start with the spoon. Water in the spoon, that, that's your capacity right now. Once you feel that, you attain that goal, then you can move on to the next step. And so that kind of gave them an idea on how to scale up a business and how to, to use it in, in a way that's tactical and using the, you know, every step of the way has a principle. So when you're using a spoon, there's principle around it. When, you know, then when you're using a vase or a tank, or when you go in a river, you need to swim or have a boat to maneuver around it. So um, that's just my take. I wanted to share that to say that the storytelling in uh, communicating, whether in business or you wanna raise funds or you want to convey your vision, actually is something that's very important and connecting with the culture of the people of your audience is always a must and so i still have to keep my skill set but i just have to translate that into a format that actually made mo most sense 
to them. Uh, so I just thought I'd share that. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Alan. That is powerful. That is really powerful. Izo, you see, you're you are pushing it now. You're pushing it. Eh? <laughs> this, this is so fundamental because we are actually in the, in the terrain of Izo now, which is communication. Because sometimes uh, communication is not just opening mouth and talking, but also how we are talking. Um, you see, one time I was saying, uh, when you give birth to a child, a child communicates right from that moment, but the child is not really speaking the, the, the rules of grammatic, but is speaking linguistic, is talking to you, is saying something to you. You understand, we understand it. If somebody were to cry, do you want to tell me you need to go to school to understand that this person is crying? No, you don't. If somebody is laughing, whether this person is coming from China, is a Russian, it's a German, it's a Nigerian, it's a Korean. You don't need the language, um, the, the grammar to understand that this person is laughing. You just understand that it's laughing. It is when you enter the, because here now you are talking of the human communication, the way that we really want to be, that zeroing in where we can just connect one-on-one. -on -one. That is where storytelling is taking us to. So that by the time, you know, you, you said something, Alan, that um, the people there in Congo, they speak in parable. This is something very peculiar to uh, many ancient uh, uh, civilizations and is very popular in Africa. That when, you know, if you read the book, Things Fall Apart uh, by uh, Chino Achebe, you will understand the importance of this. That words actually are said to be eaten like food. When I was much smaller, when I was in Nigeria growing up, I used to enjoy a lot when the elders gather in the evening to resolve an issue. Why? Because these elders in my village, they will say one thing that you would need a paragraph to explain. Just one thing. They speak in verses. That is actually the way to describe it. And that is very powerful. Now, imagine that you are going there to sell to this elder. You don't understand how they put the dots together. You are just blowing your grammar. They will fish you out immediately that you do not belong. Because when you belong, you know the kind of parable to, to put in. You know the, the way to, to join your words so that it makes sense to them. And when somebody talks now, you see people laughing. If you are an outsider, you will be, but what do you say? Is this laughable? Is this something that can make you laugh? Because it is deep. Communication is deep. And when it's blended with storytelling and you know what you are doing, there is no door that you cannot open. Because at that level, you go beyond, you go beyond what you study in school in terms of the, of the rules of grammar. You are entering into linguistic, into the human grammar that is beyond the one of the textbook. So thank you so much for sharing and thank also to Izu for bringing that out. Of course, we don't have time to explore it today. We are going to come back to that again because it is very, very important, that aspect that you just uh, touched there. All right, we then have uh, Melissa. Thank you for joining me. All right, so say something about the conversation that we have today. I'll keep it brief because I want to hear all these other amazing people and just thank you to Tanya and Izu um, for just your wisdom. And, um, and welcome to the stage, Alan and, and Jay as well. My thinking on this is um, 
you know, as a global think tank owner, I didn't come into my field classically. And my industry isn't something that people, the average person would ever think to do because they're typically embedded, think tanks are typically embedded in institutions. And so I have no choice <laughs> but to tell my story because I'm an anomaly and, um, and, I'm, and I'm odd. You know, I, I kind of stand out. And I was drawn to the topic, seal the high value deals, because I think in, in my story, one of the things that I have to be cognizant of is to explain the value without being overt, but to really um, share about myself in such a way, in the story of you thinking to go in such a way that people see the value that it is for them, the the unique opportunity they have to engage with it. And I also love learning more about different markets because I'm a global think tank. So the other um, opportunity for me, I don't want to call it a challenge, but the other opportunity for me is to understand how the consumer around the world um, makes a decision to consume something, to bring something as a part of their life. And I'm not a classic person in terms of how I go about asking for money. I'm actually wanting to build a community, some community-based, a more grassroots-based. So it's not about the quick sale, the flashy thing to, to get it out there. That's, that's not really what, what aligns to me. So storytelling and building relations is a key part of my work. And so I'm very drawn to people who have that type of modus operandi in their approach, particularly in marketing, because I feel like in, I live in the United States. I feel like it's been almost beat over our heads that we have to sell a certain way. And there's all these sales tactics and strategies. And every now and again, they cross the line and become manipulative. And that's not something that I resonate with. I really want to establish a relationship with, with my consumer. And that's why storytelling is more of a draw to me. So thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you so much, Melissa. That is, that is really important. I, I want to uh, just uh, throw it out here that as we are in the room, in all my room, I usually say it, please connect. Connect with the like-minded people. The people here are here for this. And it's also one of our reasons for being here, to connect with one another. And why not to do businesses with one another? Uh, because there is there is no there is no way you can know what I do if you don't do the initial which is connected with me. So as you are here, please connect with the people and share because tomorrow dollars will be exchanging hand among the people that connect. That is where it starts from. But initially we need to connect. That is very important. All right, Jay Pasqua, it's your turn. Please share with us. Thank you so much. Well, hey, this is a really great um, conversation. Um, I'm always interested in uh, storytelling and what that can mean for us um, in our daily lives, and and to seal the deal, right? That's that's really important. So I bring the, I'll bring this perspective. Um, I started my career as a journalist, um, and we we now call it legacy media. I actually was in print, then on TV, and even on radio. So storytelling and the mode in which you tell it and the tools you use can differ in each of these modalities. It changes. But the important part is not 
to lose your message in any form that you choose to use. And so you have to be cognizant of that. But each and every one of these modalities has its great points to assist you in telling those stories. And when I understood that, I took that into my passion for telling a story about my legacy, my ancestors, my culture, my people. And so when Alan was talking about language, right, I am a part of a nation of people who have been colonized and the language is one of those languages that are are dying. There are very few practitioners left. And so my passion for telling a story and providing information turned into a passion about sharing community and sharing my story of survival so that the legacy of my ancestors can continue to, to thrive. And so sealing the deal in that sense was I had to not only provide information, I had to do it in a way that was dramatic and that was impactful because the seriousness of the issue was important to me to convey to the people that I was speaking to. So I used all of those forms, those modalities, to seal the deal and conveying a message that was impactful. And so now that I'm a consultant, I'm taking all of that and bringing it in back into business and speaking to the C-suite, those executives. And what I'm doing there is telling my story of survival in a different way where I survived a tornado that went on to kill more than a dozen people. I survived it. I came out of it. I know and understand empathy and resilience on a different level. And I can share that with executives so that they understand how impactful that can be in their business. So, the mode in which we tell these stories may be different as long as you have in mind the message that, that you want to convey, you should be able to use those tools to be able to sell and seal that deal. I just thought I'd bring that to the conversation. Thank you so much for that, Jay. That is highly uh, appreciated. It is highly valuable. Uh, I just wanted to uh, think back to our ancestors in the ancient past what story was doing for them when there was still no uh, the mega metropolis that we have today when at the time uh, it was simply about survivor so i think um, in the first book in this five-part book series i was saying that storytelling is not only just for selling it can also be for survivor it can be the difference between you be alive today and dying now, look at our ancestors. Um, before any other part of the world that were a human being, they were living in Africa. And there was no such sophisticated society yet. But the human being have, have a sophisticated mind. 
before you can build a sophisticated society, you need to have a sophisticated mind. So now they need to tell the story of their survivor. They need to tell the story of their community. They need to tell the, they need to have something in common where all of them will sit around the fire and narrate their experience. It is true that you can call it um, Italian would say banale, meaning those simple things, those things that are that might appear insignificant, that they idealize what is going to become the super world that we have today, the supercomputer that we have today. Because as we understand, everything in our human evolution has been one store upon the other. The guy the other day who developed internet couldn't do it without the knowledge that was needed to build the pyramid several thousands of years ago. The bridge that we have there in Atlanta, in London, could not be built without those simple rudimentary mathematics that we could understand before. So that what we are doing really is not like we are inventing everything new. We are only building upon the knowledge. Okay, let me use the right word for it. Upon the story that we have had before. So story is absolutely important. It is our inheritance. It is what, it is one instrument, a fundamental one that helps us to connect to our ancestors. Because until we connect to our ancestors, we are cut off. And when we are cut off, we are lost. The only thing that will make us not to be lost is our story. So we must, we must, for the sake of survival, know our story and learn how to use it. And of course, in this case, using it in our business. Because like Alan was saying, you see now that when you know how to talk to the people in the story that they can relate to, it becomes easy for you to say to them. Okay, you might not necessarily be telling them, give me money, but you want them to buy into your idea. That is still selling. So if we tell our story, if we know the audience, if we know who they are, what is their level of understanding, what are their senses and sensibilities, and we tell our story based on this, there is nothing we cannot penetrate. Otherwise, we are just reciting numbers and grammars and hypotheses, and we cannot win. Because we are talking of how to see high-value a D in tech and consulting. I would like to put a question to you, Izu. Where do you think people should start from in mastery this storytelling ability to be able to communicate? Because they are going to need it one day, but they first need to start somewhere. Where should they start from? The first thing I would say is that uh, the first step you need to take in terms of telling, sharing your story is that you must learn the discipline of documenting your story. The best stories that were ever shared were stories that were properly documented. Documentation of your story is essential if you want to share a story that can really impact the lives of people. And the second move you need to make, which is essentially important, is the way people have goals. I have a, Some people have the goal of getting married soon, some people have the goal of doing different things at the same time, at different times, and they have marked their calendars. You need to have what is called storytelling goals. And by storytelling goals, you need to get an accountability partner, a coach, or somebody who would help you to be able to 
grant you some necessary experience and knowledge so you don't waste your time storytelling is a big it's, it's a big stuff especially for most of us in the journalistic world it's a very big stuff you can be paid millions and thousands of dollars just to write very simple but compelling stories so for you to get to that level you need to invest your time in having to set what is called storytelling goals and the final thing i'll recommend is this you need to belong to networks or associations or platforms where stories are shared i realize that most of such platforms are limited in some part of the world but then you can look out for those platforms and be part of those platforms but on a very casual note if you want to start sharing your story, you can just go ahead, stand before your mirror, remember the experiences you heard two weeks, remember the experiences you had last month, remember the experiences you had some time ago, and just go ahead and share those stories before yourself. Doing this would help you to be able to gain the confidence because beyond just the story you want to share, confidence is important for you to share the story. Confidence is important for you to share the story. And the other thing you can do is you, you can, like I said, you can just get one or two accountability partners and share your story before those people or get your phone and put the camera on and share your story. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land my plane by saying this. Somebody walked up to me, like somebody walked up to me you know, some, when I was in South Africa for a starting project. And a person told me that he was raped by the elder thief. It was a sexual abuse but she, he was asking me how he can share the story in a way that it doesn't affect his relationship with the sister so it's a very difficult assignment it was a difficult assignment so to say so for such experiences for such experiences you need an expert to view the story you need an expert to guide you so you don't make some attempts that would destroy your relationship with certain people so I would just have to land my plane here. Like I said, I'm in a very noisy environment and I'm, I'm really, it's like an art of sacrifice to ensure that my voice was heard today here and I don't take it for granted at all. So I will give the mic to you, Mr. Obehi, and I'm looking forward to the best of other rooms where I could have a lot of time and serenity of environment to share my ideas in the way that connects. I love you all and back to you, Mr. Obehi. Much love. Thank you so much for that, uh, Izu. We understand that. Thank you, I appreciate that. All right, now, uh, Coach Remidi, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> it's your turn. Please share with us. We are listening to you. Yes, thank you so much uh, for this platform and um, creating this safe space to come together and just be able to talk about topics that are near and dear to our hearts. So for me as a speaker, a transformational speaker and a confidence coach, um, I find that it's important to tell a story effectively. You know, it's always been an important aspect of communication human communication, whether it's with our ancestors gathered around the fire or with modern day speaking, addressing an audience, the impact of a story is undeniable. To tell a story impactfully, I feel it's necessary. You have to read the room, connect with your listeners. Another helpful modality is to focus on the emotions and the themes of your story rather than just the facts. By sharing your emotional journey that you went through, as it was said before, you want to help your listeners connect with your experience on a deeper level. You don't want to trauma dump. You want to recognize if they're following you, if you need to raise your voice or lower your voice, if you need to tell a joke, insert one, 
So reading the room and understanding the energy is what's helpful in telling that story. By sharing your experience, you can break down stigmas and you can encourage others to seek help or share their own stories. Like it was just said to connect with an accountability partner or a, a coach or someone who's going to help you to work on how to get your story out. You know, you can tell your story and be respectful of your audience. You want to be authentic, use emotions, connect with your audience and use visuals. <clears throat> Telling a story impactfully requires a combination of authentic emotion, connection and visualization. For me, telling my personal story, if I'm speaking about trauma, I try very um, to be very intentional and impeccable with my word, not to go too deep to a space where it's going to take me to an emotional plane that I can't come back from. So writing that story beforehand, going through it, practicing it, understanding what audience it is you're speaking for, what is the message that is uh, being put across through um, that particular speaking engagement, what are they talking about? Sharing your emotional journey that you went through can help your listeners connect with you, but you don't want them to be bored by you or you don't want to trigger emotions that make them feel like they don't want to connect with you. This is Coach Remedy and I yield the mic. Thank you so thank you so much for that, Coach Remedy. Uh, all right, now I come back to you, uh, Tanya. You know, before I was saying, when we were talking about TED, that there are a lot of masters out there that people can learn from. Actually, I have two questions for you. This is the first one, the second one, before we go, because of course, we already have spent our time here. We, we have spent two, uh, one hour. Uh, but the first one really is, um, who would you recommend that people should learn from in terms of uh, uh, using storytelling to see high value D? Uh, which could be maybe either for tech or for other industry, but people who are good in storytelling that people should learn from. Who would you recommend? Outside of me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know. Izu is a very good um, storyteller. Um, I believe yourself, you are a great storyteller. And Jay, um, I don't know if the culture you were speaking about is the... Um, Pacific Island stories because I found myself on on TikTok on that side of of TikTok and you know um just as you guys were talking about the language and they were beating the drums and I was like yeah I identify with this and he took me down a journey of trying to find out more about that culture and yeah I believe there are a number of great storytellers you just have to find who is for you like I say I'm a great storyteller but my style of storytelling may not always be for everybody because I'm the type of person even how I teach my students how to tell story is very matter of fact very shooting for the truth the truth like shooting from the hip and keeping it really hundred some people are not for that so it's you need to find explore different people i can't speak for people that i don't personally know so i can't say that but i believe um donald miller is a very popular one um i haven't done this particular course but I learned storytelling from being a copywriter. So obviously how I tell story is primarily from the persuasive school of thought of telling stories. So it's primarily sales storytelling. So there are people like Jay that have a different way of telling stories because they are communicators as well as easy. So it depends on what are you trying to learn. If you are trying to learn how to sell, 
I tell persuasive story tell, uh, stories because I am fundamentally still a copywriter. I'm still, I'm, everything else that you see, yeah, that's good, that's me today, but I am a copywriter and I'm a persuasive copywriter. So there are different forms of copywriters. So you need to know what type of stories you want to learn. Because if you're coming to me to teach you how to get on the TED Talk, uh -uh, that's not me. However, if you are coming to me to learn to learn how to tell stories that get sales, I'm your girl. But Izu is the one that will get you on Teto. So it's really important to know what type of stories you want to learn. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. All right. Talking of sales, uh, because today, of course, we are talking of uh, sales, how to get uh, high tickets, uh, value D in tech and in consulting. And of course, uh, the time is spent here. So I want to ask, what would be your final recommendation here for people who want to leverage storytelling uh, for high ticket value D? What would be your final thought regarding that to, to conclude it? Please go ahead. So there are different types of stories that you will need. Um, there are stories that you leverage on social media. Those are meant to grab the attention of people and stop the scroll. So that is very top of the funnel type of story or middle of the funnel. And there are different other stories that you will use in the sales process when people are in consideration. They are considering doing a deal with you. They are in market, they're, they're already trying to buy. So there are stories that you will use there. So just knowing what type of stories that you use we, I have a framework that I created that is for stopping the scroll. If you are trying to get attention on social media, you are trying to get your ideal market to pay attention to you, your ideal client to pay attention to you. Yeah, there are stories that we use there, but those stories might not be great if you are already in, so you are trying to talk to people that are in consideration. Those are stories you use to get people to think about your approach or think about what they should do instead of what they are already doing. So it's about shifting beliefs. Because when you are selling, something that is taught in the persuasive school of copywriting is when you are selling, you are selling beliefs. People need to believe. They need to believe in the product. They need to believe in you, the seller, and they need to believe in the probability of reaching the goal. So as a persuasive copywriter, my copy is aimed at selling belief. So at different stages, I will sell certain type of belief. So there's the belief in me as a person, there's the belief in me, uh, uh, in the product we are selling and the belief in getting to the goal. If you can use stories, to shift all three sets of product uh, of beliefs and the product being the last one because that is when somebody is in market, you've got the sale. Thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate that. I think uh, one time they, they will refer to cinema as a make-believe industry. <laughs> so yeah, we are telling story because we are selling belief and that is really important. That is how the, the human society functions. And this is an important part of it in that you are creating uh, a belief, you are creating uh, a kind of value for people and you are selling it to them. And they need to see it with me. You need to sell it where uh, so that you can get results from it. So thank you so much for that, Tanya. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate also all the people that are in the room, Alan, Jay, 
And uh, Melissa, of course, those that have been here before and that have gone now, I appreciate all of you, including those that are in the audience. I really do appreciate you. So we'll come back again next time. We are, we are here every 40 days talking about the same thing, storytelling, but looking at it from different angles.